Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, Truth Seekers. You're listening to A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com, and I'm your host, Michael Fordham. Look, if you just click the link on my webpage, or you're listening on iTunes, blogtalkradio.com, or even the Blog Talk Radio player on my Facebook page, and you want to call in live, look, we'd love to talk with you. So give us a call. The number is 347-326-9470. And don't forget, every show is a free download on iTunes or from my Blog Talk Radio page. Or if you like, you can Twitter me your questions and comments at twitter.com slash a measure of truth. Also, if you haven't yet, why don't you look me up on Facebook or Google Plus? I'm the Michael Fordham with a photo of me in studio, and you can always email me your questions and comments at a measure of truth at gmail.com. Look, we've got a great show for you today. Kevin L. Matthews II, a native of Tulsa, Oklahoma, is a graduating senior at Hampton University in Hampton, Virginia, and will obtain his B.S. degree and numerous seminars on personal finance across the country. In the summer of 2010, he interned with ING Investment Management with the Multi-Asset Strategies and Solutions Team in New York City. In 2011, he entered the Google Bold program as a business and industrial markets intern in Mountain View, California. He currently serves as Hampton University Student Government Association Vice President and plans to release his second book in the early portion of 2012. In his first book, Brick Theory, he tells us that at 18, after my freshman year of college, I bought my first house, and I later sold it the same year. What's the lesson? It's not about how much you make, but how much you manage. Never once during that time had I made more than $7.25 an hour. It was through my habits that I was able to get the things I wanted and needed. It wasn't always easy, but it definitely wasn't impossible. Kevin L. Matthews II, welcome to A Measure of Truth. Hi, yes. <laughs> hey, Kevin. How are you? All right. I'm doing well. How are you? Good, good. You know, it, it was really a pleasure, and and it's interesting, man. You already have such a powerful resume at such a young age, man. Thank you. 
<laughs> yeah, you know, um, it's not often when um, I have an author on the show that I'm able to um, get the opportunity and find the time to read the book ahead of time. I'm, you know, usually left to, you know, pull out some bullet points and skim through. But I was able to read your book from cover to cover. And uh, tell us a little bit about, too, how you released your book and marketed your book. Well, I, um, I did everything online, and basically I just wrote the book uh, during the month of November. I had a friend who was a, who was a graduated um, English major. She just graduated with her master's to edit and then um, publish it online and put it on the site. And basically I've marketed the book um, through social media and um, online marketing. Wow, that that's pretty awesome. And you know, I read the book and, and it's it's a really good read. As a matter of fact, I was very surprised because it's very brief but it gets right to the point even with your stories and examples about what you've learned as a young man uh, and I'm thinking taught by your parents as well as you had the right mindset to take the knowledge that was there for you and use it effectively. Tell us a little bit about who Kevin is and about your 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 coming up and um what made you so serious about um finances and investing it was it was something I kind of came into on my on my own in, in a sense growing up my my dad always taught my brother and i to to save a little bit of what we had from our allowance and the more I learned about it, the more I wanted to to take it further to learn to invest and to 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 teach others um originally i think the the book that changed my my father's life was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And he, he read that, I want to say, around when I was probably 10 or 11. And from from there, he took our financial education a little more seriously. Mm. And um, that's when he, he would take us to the bank and show us the things that we, he was doing. He would show us how he divided the money for the bills and things like that. And from there, I knew that it was important, and I did research on my own, and then I um, just went to, to found the company and take it to a whole different level. Wow, and that's awesome. And another thing that I like about Brick Theory, it's really written for anyone, but it does specifically help college students to understand that right where they are right now is the time to begin to take control of their finances and learn some of these lessons that you are effectively put into place to, to make yourself quite successful. Um, tell us a little bit, too, about your story about what prompted you to go ahead, even though you were ready, um, to go ahead and buy that first house. Uh, what, what prompted me to, to get ready for it? No, not to get ready, but you, you, you uh, had the wherewithal to do it. But still, you know, that's a big undertaking for a young man. Tell us a little bit about that experience. Um, well, I came home after my freshman year in college, and through that whole that whole process, through various other investments that I had made, um, I had accumulated a, a pretty big sum for my age at the time. And because of the housing market, there were a lot of houses that were going to foreclosure and that were um, almost dirt cheap, especially for the area that I'm in. So my brother first alerted me about it, told me about the house. We went out and checked it out, looked at everything. And he, he buys houses now. Um, he's retired. And that's how, we, that's how I kind of became aware of it. So we went through the process, bought the house, and shortly after, um, I want to say two, maybe three months, I had um, sold it and made a, a big gain from it. <laughs> and your money, you said that you never made more than an hourly wage. Was it seven twenty-five an hour? Right, right at that point in time. Wow. So the money that you had invested, um, tell us about that and how did that accumulate for you and how successful you were with investing? Originally, I had, from my the checks I was making, I had, had an automatic deposit. So I, I want to say probably 100 or so dollars I had went directly to my, my savings account. And the first, the very first investment that my brother and I did, uh, we went to a, a car auction. My, my dad was a firefighter, so he would go, he had firefighter auctions. And we bought my cousin a car, I want to say, it was probably $1,500 or so, and we made sold it to him and made a profit from it. So that was our first investment. And from mm. there, we had bought and sold cars over and over and over again, and that's what really catapulted um, my wealth at the time. Right. So once I did that from, I believe it was 14 when I first did that, so from 14 to 18, that's what got me to the 
the house um the house buying level. Now, you had a lot of savings to be able to do those things, and I'm sure there were a lot of temptations before you got to the amount that you could purchase a car or do some of the things you did with the money. Tell us about the discipline that it took to be able to focus on the big uh, item that you wanted to purchase and not spend it on all the small things that would have made a young man your age very happy. <laughs> the the thing or the, the trick that I, I used basically was to, if you, if you don't see it, you, you can't spend it was was one thing. So like I said, the, the automatic deposit function that I have from having direct deposit, that was the the biggest thing. Just like when you you get a check now, I'm sure you'll you'll see the taxes have already been deducted um, before you can even see it. So that was that was one thing that I used, and I always made sure to set aside something or some small portion to to have fun with. Um, a lot of people I don't feel do that. They don't set aside a, a portion to save or a portion to, to have fun with. So I would take um, for my, my paycheck or anything that I earned, I would definitely put some in savings first and then take 5 maybe 10% just to, you know, have fun with um, for whatever I wanted at the time. Right, right. And I think that's one of the things you mentioned in your book, too. Wow, you know, take some of the money and reward yourself. Set some goals and right. set some of that aside, too, you know, for entertainment to make sure that you're still reaching your goals but are not – um, caught up in just um, saving every penny you have and becoming a hermit in the process. So, yeah, I, I think that's that was a very, very, um, you know, good um, way to, to point it out to people, too, and especially young people, because that's the first thing they think. I won't be able to do this, and I won't be able to do that. Exactly. Now, you um, also have got the attention of um, – well, you have a program with ING as well as Google, and tell us a little bit about how those actually came about. Originally, um, I had it not been for ING in New York City, I, I don't think I would have been able to to do this now. And um, I was in the cafeteria when someone brought up the the internship program to me. It was um, called. I was through Gateways of Leadership, and I went and applied and got the internship, and I worked on. Um, target date funds, so basically retirement funds for large companies, corporations, um, and even groups such as teachers. So through that experience, I learned much, much more about the stock market and um, just the, the global economy as a whole. So from there, I I learned everything. And I, that was the, one of the defining moments that I felt that my community and my age group particularly should learn about how to invest their money. Um, in addition to saving, so um, right. that was that was my first real corporate internship, and from there um, I went on to Google. And tell us about that program. The Google Bowl program that was another huge defining moment as well. Um, I was one of 288 interns total, and there are I want to say between three to five thousand. And that program it was it was really life changing because. The people I was surrounded with pushed me to go to a further level. Um, there were people who have been on Oprah uh, a number of times at my age or even younger. There are people who have traveled almost, have been on different continents. And just being in that room with those people that are that are my age from all different colleges across the country really pressed me and let me know that being an author at 22 is possible. Um, I had, when I started the company, I didn't, I didn't know that I would I would be here. I didn't know that I would have written a book at my age. But just because I was there, it let me know that these things are possible and I can really push the envelope no matter what my age really is. Wow. Now, um, your book is um, available online for free, is that right? Yes. Now, wh why did you make that decision to release your book free to the public in the fashion that you're doing it? Um, well, one thing for the, the company, everything on the site is free. Um, when I go and do tours at different different schools and different colleges on personal finance, it is free as well. Brick Theory, for me right now, it is it is a big step, but it's one of my, my first steps. Mm -hmm. Eventually, I would um, become more of the, the male Susie Orman, if you will, who mm -hmm. has the, the TV show on CNN. But because of my age right now and that I haven't graduated yet, I need to put my name out there and to establish myself as a more credible source. Right. So I, I thought that to to present something free, something of quality, and that was free, 
would really penetrate the market um, for my age group a lot better than it would for $15, $20 book, um, you know, for, for my experience level as well. Right, right. That's awesome. And that's exactly what I thought you'd say. So, <laughs> you know, um, I, I, you know I, I try to impress upon young people quite often, too, that sometimes you just have to get out there and do what you do. You can't be focused on right. the money. It's, it's more important to focus on what you want to do and right. um, involve yourself in that. And if it's worth something, someone will um, eventually pay for it. But you, you really have to get out there and polish your craft and find out what that industry is really like. No matter what it might be, and um, you know, internship programs and, and doing the things that you're doing, um, they're, they're a great way to really um, to build up quite a bit on your resume as well. It may be free, but still, you are you are an author now, a published author, you know, because and um, I, I'm sure the um, the book is doing very well. But um, we'll make sure that um, we'll get the word out about that as well. And um, we'll um, tell us a little bit about your marketing and some of the ways that people can connect with you to get that, because I think I had a link to a, a web page or something like that. Is that the standard way people would go about getting your book? Right, right. Um, any If you go to buildingbread.com and you go ahead and click on the logo, there's a link. Or there's a there's a link at the very top of the page. So if I just click here to download the book for free, that is the main way you can get it. Um, you can also email me at Kevin Matthews, uh, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-S, at buildingbread.com, and I can um, actually send you a copy. Or you can follow me on Twitter um, at at buildingbread at Twitter, and um, you can get it through there as well, or I can send you a link. But basically, um, through the site, buildingbread.com is the main way to get the, the book. Oh, that's awesome. And so um, once you've um, got the book out to folks, uh, I understand you, you're already working on another project at this point. Tell us a little bit about that. My new project, um, I haven't come up with a title for it yet, but I, I want to focus on success in college, how to how to maneuver. Basically, it's it'll be somewhat based off my story. I am from Tulsa, Oklahoma, and went to Hampton University, and I was the only, only person um, from my freshman year to my sophomore year from my city and from my state. Um, I had no family really in the area, and I became um, the person I am today. So the things that I went through, there are a few techniques, um, time management being one of them, and just being able to network without coming from uh, a big family background. So able to convey that advice to other people who are going away from college or people who want to really redefine themselves in this that uh, collegiate arena. Oh, that's great. Well, Kevin, uh, we're gonna we're gonna um, switch it up a little bit, and we're gonna talk with Wenzel Steele. And uh, if you could please just hang in there with us, and um, we'll um, also probably have you talk with Jennifer Streets as well, and she'll be coming up later on in the show. And um, okay. Wenzel, some time ago we did a show um, because I had met you, and um, you told me some really interesting stories and facts about Morehouse College and your experience as a freshman there. And um, just give us a, um, a taste of what we talked about before, and t then we can talk about where you are now with your experience. Okay. Um, well, first, thank you for having me. Um, and what we talked about last time in, in, in film, essentially it was talking about how Morehouse uh, is different from other schools, what makes Morehouse great, um, what some of our goals are here at Morehouse. And then we moved on to talk about some of the plans that I have um, uh, at that point in time, they were simply plans, but now um, I've actually made some steps towards uh, turning these ideas and these plans into reality. Okay, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. And um, one of the things that you told me that I did not know, because I, I really had not met anyone yet who uh, had attended Morehouse, is you told me about the um, – it's a different protocol there um, for students. And um, tell us a little bit about that. Some of the differences um, someone would see who may have attended another college when they come to Morehouse. Okay, um, essentially it's a burning desire to be better. Uh, you know, people at Morehouse College or students at Morehouse College, uh, we don't just go to school because our parents are telling us to go to school and that they're not going to pay for us if we don't go to school. You know, we go to school uh, here at Morehouse because we want to become better at our craft. Um, they'd be in a liberal arts school. You know, people come here specifically for certain things. 
And uh, with that said, we would like to use our craft and our passion to impact society, you know, to make society a better place. So I think that, I mean, I haven't gone to other schools, so I can only speak on behalf of Morehouse, but I know for a fact that here people are dedicated to making the world a better place. Well, one of the things that you first told me is the fact that you had to attend class in shirt and tie, in suit and tie. And that that was one of the first things that, that was very curious about and uh, I did not know. So tell us a little bit about some of the other um, things that are different. And tell us about why that is that you guys are asked to wear suit and ties to class. Okay. Um, well, first, I'll address while we wear suit and tie, and I'll get into some of the other things uh, that make Morehouse special. Um, first, we, we often wear suit and tie to class because we're taught not just about, you know, whatever's in the curriculum and what's obvious to a, to a normal student, but also, you know, the things that make uh, a random individual into a leader. You know, it's about image and exposure, a lot of it. So um, by being encouraged to wear a suit, and, uh, a suit and tie to class, it instills in us the importance of presenting ourselves in a professional manner and um, portraying a certain image. You know, most of the time people know when they want to do business or interact with somebody before the person even opens their mouth. You know, it's simply based off of uh, off of their image. So that's that's the number one thing that they do here, uh, that we do here at Morehouse to uh, instill that 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 lesson. So some of the other things that we do at Morehouse College that I would say are special. Uh, the first would be this uh, the program called Crown Forum, which happens every Thursday. Uh, Crown Forum is uh, a weekly seminar where everybody in Morehouse College comes to uh, King Chapel. Um, and we have a big assembly where we bring in very notable people, and they talk to us on uh, about different topics, sometimes it's about civil rights, which is a big thing here because Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is an alumni of Morehouse College. Um, but also we've had Julian Bond, uh, Al Sharpton, and other people as well uh, so that we can learn about, you know, not necessarily what it takes to be successful, but also uh, how we can become an impact, an impactful leader now, even though we're in college. Right. You know, and one of the things um, I remember when I met you, um, it was in a group of young people. Um, of course, you were still older than most, but um, you really stood out. And I was very impressed with you. And you, you just had a certain um, aura about you that just, it just screamed out that, you know, you had been raised by a good family and had a good upbringing, but also was you had a different way of looking at life, um, a little bit differently than some young people that I have met. And um, that's one of the things that impressed me about you. And then once you told me a little bit about Morehouse, I sort of deemed you the Morehouse man. <laughs> and we did our first show based on that. Now, you've had some time to experience Morehouse a little bit more now. And um, tell us a little bit more about what you've um, gained in knowledge there as far as the Morehouse experience. Well, I've definitely learned a lot about how to become a leader and a manager. Um, because I want to become a CEO of a technology company later on, this has been very valuable. Um, my ability to interact with the student body and with faculty as well to learn how to manage and how to motivate a team so that we can get a job done, that would be the number one experience. Um, another thing that I would say, Aspect. You know, um, I learned the importance of exposure, and not every school gives the exposure that Morehouse College does, so I'm completely thankful for that. Um, so those are two of the big things that I've learned um, since freshman year about Morehouse College. And, Wenzel, how did you find out about Kevin? Okay. <laughs> um, Kevin and I, we actually both interned at Google this past summer. Oh. Um Yeah. <laughs> So it's really a small world, and I'm, I'm very thankful for meeting him. He's a great young man who's destined to do great things. Um, so we actually, although we worked, he worked um, in Mountain View. I worked in the San Francisco office with the uh, bold, dedicated client services sales uh, group. So I was doing some customer service stuff, and he was down there um, working at the headquarters. Essentially, um, we both lived in Berkeley, like probably three blocks from each other. So we just linked up, and we started talking about stuff we wanted to do in life. And next thing you know, uh, we're just really good friends, and we've been staying in contact almost daily ever since. 
Well, no surprise to me that brilliant people find each other. So, uh, and just want to thank you for being able to tell me about Kevin. And um, Kevin, did you have anything to add to that as well? Um, other than it, it is definitely a, a small world. Um, upon coming to Google, we had no idea um, who each other were. And just like you said, we were, of all the 200-some-odd interns, there were only about probably seven or eight that stayed um, in the city of Berkeley. So um, we, we were a real tight-knit group. And um, at a little get-together, he he mentioned about what he wanted to do um, with his life. And from there, we connected. And we do uh, definitely speak almost daily. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, we're going to go ahead and um, hopefully have you guys hang in there. Um, is it okay? Can you guys hang in for the full hour? For yeah. sure. Definitely. Okay, awesome. We'll bring you back in, and we're going to now talk with um, Jennifer Streaks. Elegant, poised, and passionate about educating businesses and consumers on financial issues, Jennifer Streaks is an accomplished financial services professional based in Washington, D.C., with more than a decade of finance, investment management, and securities experience, she has turned her attention to championing financial literacy and management for both corporations and individuals. Recently featured in prominent media sources, Ms. Streaks discusses political backlash in 2012 elections due to economic setbacks, how to handle the downgrade effect, creating a financial backup plan, wealth disparities among minorities versus other cultures. She advises businesses on taxation questions, creative ways to obtain financing, and acquiring assets wisely. Jennifer, welcome back to A Measure of Truth. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, it's always a pleasure to have you on, Jennifer. And um, you've been a very, very busy lady. And um, tell us a little bit about what you've been up to before we get to what you're going to share with us today. Well, Michael, you know, with the economy being the way that it is, I am just being peppered with requests for media appearances, writing various financial articles on how to keep your head above water when our um, unemployment numbers are so high, the job market seems to be so dismal, and people are really just living from paycheck to paycheck. So, yes, I have been very busy trying to talk to the masses about smart money moves. No, that's great. That's great. And um, you've done a recent article or blog, too, that um, gave some great tips for the new year. Tell us about that. Yes, the new year is just the perfect time to sort of refresh your finances. If you've done a lot of shopping uh, at the end of, you know, the holiday season for 2011, you know, the first quarter of 2012 is a great way to get a head start. Basically, what I tell a lot of individuals that ask is the first thing you have to do is create a budget, but not just a budget thinking about what you're going to do or what your regular expenses are. Actually, take out receipts from the previous year or the previous you know, three months, six months, and see what your true expenses were. Were there any surprises? Were there unexpected car repairs, health issues, uh, travel arrangements that needed to be made? And I would say if you have a regular budget, add in maybe another 10% for any extra um, unexpected expenses that might pop up and then make sure you have a savings plan along with that. That's my first point. Right, Secondly, right. Mm-hmm. Oh, go Secondly, right ahead. Okay, thanks. Secondly, I say instead of doing all the last-minute shopping that took place last year, even though we're in a down economy, I was shocked to hear the individuals were shopping. I mean, the lines outside for Black Friday and Cyber Monday were outrageous. And I just said, well, where is all this money coming from? I mean, the retailers actually did well. So another point that I make is for this year, for 2012, to plan ahead for big-ticket items. A lot of customers, they were in line for the really reduced prices on flat screens. Mm-hmm. Well, if you know you want a flat screen or if you need a washer-dryer or a new big-ticket item, budget for it now so that you're not incurring that expense all at one time and putting it more than likely on a credit card where you have to put interest on it. That's a smart way to do it. But discipline is going to be key here so that you can plan over the month. The next point I make is that you have to make sure that your insurance coverages are accurate or adequate. 
most of your unexpected expenses are going to come from car, bills, housing, or health. So you need to make sure that your car insurance, your homeowner's insurance, or your health insurance is going to provide anything that you may require in the upcoming year so that you're not exposed to the unexpected out-of-pocket expense. And the two last points, which are most important, number four is going to be reduce your debt. This year, really try to reduce it. If you have credit card debt, any sort of outstanding tax issues, anything that needs to be paid off, even student loan debt, just really focus this year and say, I am going to reduce my debt because that's what holds you back from saving. If you're in debt, you cannot save money. And without being able to save, which is going to be my next point, you're not going to be able to put yourself in a financially safe position. So the last point in 2012 really makes saving a priority, and I cannot emphasize this enough. If you don't have a savings account or a financial backup plan, as I call it, you're basically flying without a financial parachute. So you can't cover, you won't be able to cover unexpected expenses and to protect yourself against what the nation is feeling in job loss or long-term illness. So you need to know what you're going to spend on your static costs, but the little expenditures add up quick. So this is a really good time to write down everything you spend money on so you can get a clear picture of what you're spending and where you can save from the daily Starbucks run to fewer movie rentals. There's always some place where you can cut back, but it is so important to have that financial backup plan. That's great. And um, talk a little bit about this, too, as far as um, the unemployment numbers. Um, I, I was I was sort of surprised as well to see how many people were out there shopping. It, has the economy turned around? Have the unemployment numbers um, dropped? Or are people getting more jobs? What, what's going on? During the time of, you know, the holiday spending season, no, the uh, unemployment numbers hadn't dropped. But I think that we've just been so socialized into the holiday season and we have to have these gifts. We have to put together these dinners, these get-togethers from Thanksgiving on until the new year that we're going to find a way to spend that money, unfortunately, even if we don't have it. So at that point, unemployment was still hovering around 9%. And this is what I'm saying. You have individuals that are putting these purchases on credit cards or using money, you know, taking money that should be in a savings account and left there, but taking this money to make purchases for the Christmas season. And it's just not a prudent way to handle your money. Right. And um, you mentioned something I just want you to touch on again. You um, used the term financially safe. Um, mm -hmm. Define that for us. What, what is financially safe? Financially safe means that you have, you pay your everyday bills, your static costs, your mortgage, your rent, car payment, car insurance, anything that's associated with you living from day to day. But you also have enough insurance coverage, as I stated earlier, car insurance, health insurance, homeowners or renters insurance. But then you also need to have a savings account where you may have six months to a year maybe even a year and a half worth of your expenses plus another 10% for unexpected expenditures in an account someplace that you do not touch. Understand that individuals are now suffering with long-term employment, which means you've been unemployed a year, maybe even two years. So you have to insulate yourself from that. Right, right. So you're saying that if you, haven't, if you don't have six months to a year saved up, you are not safe. You are not safe. You are not safe. It's something where one day you could be just driving down the street and all of a sudden you need a tire. Tires on most cars now are $100. If you need two, if you hit a pothole, if there's a slow leak, if something happens, typically you buy tires in sets of two at least. That's $300. You have, it's those little expenses that wipe people out. And statistics mm -hmm. show that people are living paycheck to paycheck which means you don't have any funding for that unexpected expense. What we see now, is that really because people have spent so much in this season? Mm -hmm. Are mm -hmm. we looking at a time up and coming now where we're going to see a, a big dip as far as more foreclosures and people um, being in a situation where they cannot pay their bills because of their expenditures over the holiday? 
Well, what you're going to see is that you're going to have more individuals that save less because mm-hmm. now they have to pay the, the credit card bills that will come due, you know, and we're heading into the winter season, so now everything is more expensive. You're buying more of the comfort foods, so your grocery bill is going to go up. Your heating is going to go up. Your gas is going to go up. Everything is going up, so it's just it's just a bad – it's almost like from Thanksgiving – through March, you can just put yourself in a really bad position if you don't think about how you're going to spend during the holiday season if you have not saved enough funds just to take care of yourself through these harsh winter months. And there was a moratorium on foreclosures, which has been lifted since, you know, the beginning of the year with most of the lenders. So if you're behind in your mortgage, if you're behind in anything, all of those issues are going to come home to roost now. So that's why I was so surprised mm-hmm. so many people out there just shopping. Wow. Wow. Now, t- give people some tools or some, some ways that they can really get a hold of their budget, some things that might be already available to them that maybe they're just not using. There are a lot of, if you go to any of the search engines, Google, Yahoo Finance is wonderful. They have automated budgeting tools right online. All you have to do is put in your income, your expenses, the percentage that you want to save, and it will do it all for you. So you don't even have to leave your house. You don't have to pay money. You don't have to go to um, a financial professional and, you know, take all that time. You can just do it in the privacy and the comfort of your own home and just go online and set a budget for yourself. But make sure it's a realistic budget based on expenses and expenditures from 2011 and add in a little cushion for yourself and it will print right out for you just as you know, easy as pie and you will have that. I mean, this is just such a great time to start. It's January. Mm-hmm. So now, you know, you can look at, you know, maybe I didn't want to spend this much during the holiday season. Maybe I've got this credit card bill. You can add in your debt and say, you know, what I would like to pay per month towards this debt. You know, the average credit card uh, interest rate now is in the double digits. So you're not doing yourself any favors carrying that credit card debt. So when you use these budgeting tools, it helps you because you can go right in and say, these are my debts, I want to pay it off, I want to put this much on it, and it will print it right out for you. Oh, that's great. And um, did not know that about Yahoo Finance. But mm-hmm. um, one of the things that I learned from Kevin's book, Brick Theory, is um, there's an application out there or a widget um, called Mint. Kevin, tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about Mint and how you discovered that. As a mm-hmm. matter of fact, I'm using it now, but you're probably better at it than I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually discovered it my sophomore year of college. And what Mint does, it's it's similar to the Yahoo Finance app, um, application she was speaking of, but Mint.com takes your your credit card, your mortgage perhaps, and even your, your check card, any expenses that you make uh, that aren't cash-related. And it, it tabulates everything um, from the time probably about, I think, six months out until the time you finish using the card. And it tracks all your expenses. Um, if they were shopping-related, they grabs them for you, and you can set a budget on there, and also it'll text you when your balance is low or when you've gone over budget. So um, I definitely, and it is free. I suggest it for um, the college students that I advise. And mm-hmm. also, um, let's say if Applebee's. I know college students especially uh, go over a lot on food. Um, the minute you spend uh, 10 cents over on McDonald's, it'll text you and say, you know, you've gone over balance on this particular purchase. But um, I love it, and the people that um, I have used it also love it because it tells them um, exactly what's going on and how to really um, go back and track what's going on as well. Yeah, that sounds wonderful. Yeah, and I, I just set it up myself, and I was like, wow. And if it weren't for you, Kevin, honestly, I would not have done it because I had to put in my bank information to make it work. But when I when it did, now I can check my bank balance like in a second. You know, it's like exactly. just touch the icon and, and it's there. And it's like and it gives me, again, like you said, all these tools to be able to track all of my expenditures. Um, so your mortgage, your your car payment, um, any other bills that you have monthly, it, it allows you to put those in there. And you, you sort of track um, when you're having um, money coming in 
whether it be a right. paycheck or some other means of funds coming, and it balances those out based on those funds and when you'll be able to get it. And it also helps you to monitor your savings as well as your expenditure. So I was very impressed with it. Um, you know, I, I didn't expect to learn something like that and um, over the weekend, but uh, I sort of <laughs> fell into it and played with it for a while until I made it work for me. And um now, is there anything that you can tell people? Because most people would be a little leery about doing just what I did. I had to put in my bank information, my login, in order to be able to sign up for this app. Um, what, what makes it safe? Right. Uh, well, one of the one of the, there are several things that that do make it safe. Um, one, it it does have extreme security on it. But the the top thing is it only shows you your bank information um, and information as in purchases and the things that you've bought. You cannot move money, you cannot withdraw money, wire money, or anything. So the the worst thing that can happen is someone would know where you spent your money if they could even get in. Um, that's that's it. Um, even on the, the cell, there is a cell phone app as well, and you still have the password and the login information, and it'll mm-hmm. only show you your bank balance. So um, it's a lot safer because if someone were to hack that, nothing would really happen as opposed to your actual banking site or banking information where they can actually take money out. So with this, yeah. you can't uh, really do anything with the money but track it. No, oh, that's awesome. And um, and I would tell people, too, that they don't already have a lock on their phone to, to make sure that they do, especially if you're using apps like this. And um, right. to tell you the truth, I have a phone, um, I have a razor, and if I put my phone in my pocket, it hears that I put it in the pocket, and it will lock itself. So, you know, I, I take that extra measure just mm-hmm. to make sure, you know, because you can use these things, but you always have to take that extra measure of security on your end as well, because regardless of what the companies do to secure their website, it's always good to make sure that you put in an extra level of security in the way you handle that information that's personal to you as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and Jennifer, um, you know, you, you've you been about town um, talking to people about finance. And, and tell us a little bit about how you help corporations as well with some of those decisions that they make. Well, what I've been doing with a lot of corporations and small businesses especially is that in this time when we were dealing with the credit crunch, I was basically advising uh, companies on how to go about getting money. It was the primary lenders had totally dried up. They weren't lending any money. And if you are running a business, you still need a line of credit. You still need access to funding uh, in order to run your business. And so what I was doing uh, was going in and offering different options, maybe that weren't as mainstream or didn't come right to the forefront. Instead of going to Bank of America, why don't we try, you know, a credit union? Maybe not a credit union. Why don't we think about a company that does something like factoring? where, say, for instance, if I'm dealing with a company that is a government contractor and they have a big government contract, but they don't have the upfront funding right now, they basically go to a company that would pay them money based on the amount of the contract, the value of the government contract. So they basically get the funds up front for a small fee, but they mm. have money They have money now to perform the contract. Mm. So they get I paid. See. You know, the company gets paid, and the government contractor, the uh, you know, they get the person putting out the RFP, they get the work done. Right. So that way it's a win-win for everyone. And because at one point the mainstream lenders were not helping companies at all. They just they were stacking their money. Another way is dealing with taxes. What are the best ways to, you know, basically find those tax breaks and, keep money flowing in the business and not necessarily going out to the Internal Revenue Service because a lot of your money as a business owner has to go into R&D, research and development, to keep yourself going. So I got a lot of questions on lending and taxation. Mm, Okay. Mm -hmm. And um, now when you talk to these folks who um, would help fund these RFPs, Mm -hmm. how how are you able to – build those relationships and make those work? Well, it was usually someone that I knew, and I made the introduction. Mm. Mm-hmm. I mean, wow. I would get, you know, I would, if, if I have to get in the trenches with you, then I would <laughs> do that. I think that's sometimes the best way to provide help and also lend credibility to mm-hmm. what I'm doing. Wow. wow. So 
So by yeah. that point, you know, I, I know the business owner, I know the company that does the factoring, and I make the connection, and both parties feel okay because I'm the connection. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. That's really awesome. And, um, yes, you're actually out there, like you said, in the trenches because you really put yourself on the line because I was waiting for you to talk about some company that this was developed through or some financier or something, but you're in the middle of it. I'm in the middle of it. But <laughs> the company right. that does the factory, they obviously have their lenders behind them as well. But mm-hmm. for me to give comfort to the company that's saying, oh, my gosh, we've got this great government contract, but we can't right now go out and hire the 50 people because we don't have upfront two weeks, three weeks, you know, worth of salary. Once mm-hmm. you start working on a government contract, you may and you submit an invoice, you may not get your first payment for six weeks. Right. So you've got a project where you've got 50 employees. you still got to float that project. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's awesome. Wow. Mm-hmm. I have to keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Factoring. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had not heard that one before. And every time I hear something new that has something to do with money, it piques my interest. So I didn't mean to put a pin in that. But <laughs> 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 And um, for you, um, you've been developing these relationships for some time. Um, and I, I did want to talk a little bit, too, about, um, believe it or not, networking, because I first met you through um, networking. And um, are, are you still involved with that same group at this time? I am involved now with so many <laughs> groups that deal with um, financial literacy, mm-hmm. but also, you know, the uh, National Black MBA Association, National Association of Black Journalists. I also, um, you know, an agent sought me out now, which is why I'm getting a lot more media um segments, more appearances and things like that because my name is getting out there more and more and also a lot of the writing that I'm doing is bringing a lot more attention too because speaking with um, just hearing the young man on the phone who's published, once that lends you credibility. If someone can read your stuff online or you know if it's in the bookstore and it makes sense, that lends you credibility. So a lot of my writing has been getting me attention as well. So I've been networking like that too. And Kevin, I want to ask you about that in your writing as well. Do you think that this online process is one that, even though you've done it free this time, is one that you can um, make a profit off of as well? Yes. Um, like I said earlier, it is just a small piece of a, a much bigger puzzle. But yeah, if um, once this does go well, uh, one of the big things was to to gauge to see if if my writing was well enough to to actually get published or to even make money off of it. And gauging from that response, um, yes, it would be. No, that's great. That's great. And, you know, I, I'm just amazed in today's society that technology has become a tool for a, a lot of us who um, have great ideas, and it's a way for us to expand ourselves without having to wait for permission from someone else who may know how to do it better or who has done it before. And um, right now there are people out there that are blazing the trail, making things happen in a way that wasn't possible um, just 10 years ago. But another thing is is how many people are doing it for free, you know? And, and this is how I started my show, for free. I mean, I have another phase of this that starts this year. But, you know, just getting out there and, and building um, something that, um, you know, has garnered the attention of um, people from all over the world is is just uh, mind-blowing to me because when I first started out, I, I was, you know, I mean, I'm sure I didn't have more than 10 listeners. So um, it, it's just amazing how if you just stay at it and you put something out there that people want, that they will find you. That is, that is very true. Um, I read a, an article I believe in Inc. Magazine about a year ago, about companies who had started to offer things for free that ended up making a profit in the long run. And it was something I I almost learned from Google because, you know, YouTube, one of their big profit engines, the search engine itself, Google+, Plus, um, even Facebook, if you will, they're all mm-hmm. free to the public. Yes. And that's how you get out and reach those people. However, they make their money from small ads and um, giving that information to different companies. So it's um, the free model. It, it works. It works. Yeah, given enough time. Absolutely. 
Yeah, and it's it's interesting because for a while there was a battle in media where um, a lot of um, newspapers and uh, magazines wanted to make people pay um, for their content online as well, and uh, it just didn't work out. I mean, the problem is is when you've got something out there that's free and interactive, when you have something that is um, a sort of an offshoot of um, something else, it, it just doesn't have the same impact on people. Right. Yeah, yeah. And um Jennifer, um tell people where they can see you more often than you will hear from you on a measure of truth. Well, I'm regularly on uh WUSA nine. Also I'm always writing, always writing on Twitter at J Streaks and you can also seek me out on Facebook at Jennifer Streaks. Okay, great, great. Well, you know, I, I just wanna thank you guys for um taking the time out to show up, and, and Wenzel, you as well. I, I really appreciate you being able to um, introduce me to Kevin and um, having him on the show. It's just been a blessing for all of us, and um, we look forward to hearing from you again, Jennifer, in the near future, and um, you know, we just wish you the best in your career, and uh, we'll definitely put our heads together again and hopefully have another great show like this one. Great. Looking forward to it. All right. Thank you very much, guys, and uh, best wishes to you both. Alright, thank you. Thank you. My friends, we should not all try to become teachers. In fact, teachers will be judged more strictly than others. All of us do many wrong things, but if you can control your tongue, you are mature and able to control your whole body. By putting a bit into the mouth of a horse, we can turn the horse in different directions. It takes strong winds to move a large sailing ship, but the captain uses only a small rudder to make it go in any direction. Our tongues are small too, and yet they brag about big things. It takes only a spark to start a forest fire. The tongue is like a spark. It is an evil power that dirties the rest of the body and sets a person's entire life on fire with flames that come from hell itself. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures can be tamed and have been tamed, but our tongues get out of control. They are restless and evil and always spreading deadly poison. My dear friends, with our tongues we speak both praises and curses. We praise our Lord and Father and we curse people who are created to be like God. And this isn't right. Can clean water and dirty water both flow from the same spring? Can a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? Does fresh water come from a well full of salt water? Are any of you wise or sensible? Then show it by living right and by being humble and wise in everything you do. But if your heart is full of bitter jealousy and selfishness, don't brag or lie to cover up the truth. That kind of wisdom doesn't come from above. It is earthly and selfish and comes from the devil himself. Whenever people are jealous or selfish, they cause trouble and do all sorts of cruel things. But the wisdom that comes from above leads us to be pure, friendly, gentle, sensible, kind, helpful, genuine, and sincere. When peacemakers plant seeds of peace, they will harvest justice. Words of wisdom from the apostles from James 3, and without compromise, a measure of truth. Hi, I'm Michael Fordham, host of A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com. I want to take a quick minute to talk to you about Young Lives DC 34. Young Lives is a unique, cutting-edge, nonprofit Christian organization designed to empower and equip pregnant and parenting teen moms to become productive citizens in the community, a program that partners teens and mature Christian women to provide teen girls in crisis with timely encouragement, guidance, and ongoing support. Through the power of presence, kids' and teens' lives are dramatically impacted when caring adults come alongside them sharing God's love. Because someone believes in them, they begin to see that their lives have great worth, meaning, and purpose. This is just the first step in a lifelong journey. 
The choices they make today based on God's love for them will impact their future decisions, the careers they choose, the marriages they form, and the families they raise. And all of this can be traced back to the time when a young life leader reached out and entered their world. For more information or to get involved, check out their webpage at www.younglives.younglife.org. Or if you're in the D.C. metropolitan area, call 202-399-7017. Heck yeah, that's me, educated in this here society, temple bred and spiritually fed in Philly, yeah, Philly, Philly, y'all, temple bred, there I was led to start my journey for the truth, you see, I went to the temple for the truth, symbolically, literally, angel she was, opened my eyes to the process, legal process of this justice system, on my back, there they stood with their lack of truth precedent. A lie that sent us back to jail. Truth to derail. But you didn't follow what you call precedent. You just lent your own bent lies. Dictum. Latin for lying scum. Differentiate between victim and holding to hold on to your lack of precedent. No man-made exam can test. God's advocacy is the best. Justice. There is no justice, no balance, and no chance. Yes, this little black girl, Chester Pearl, just south of Philly girl, a country Philly Pearl from your so-called ghetto. Yeah, little skinny black girl, Chester Pearl. And I'll say it out loud, Chester, and I'm proud. Got your knowledge of your ways. When I praise your ways, when I glaze the truth. See? Your founding father landed his foot on that town, trying not to frown. That was the ground that bred me, and that is why I see the history of the place from where I be. To shame for so many years through the tears of where I'm from, because you turned where I'm from. The town from which you come, the town from which you came, the town in which Dr. Martin Luther King was trained. Into a crack infested, four square miles attested, my people arrested in the mind will not find peace until I uncover the truth of this here congested with more than four governmental projects projected for destruction, corruption of the perfect location of buildings of old, but the truth untold. Can't remember the memories of the past, oh no, they do not last because alas, what have you done? See, this is a poem, a poem about him, you know the man. This is about his system, his justice system, just his system for him. Systematic, programmatic, dogmatic, shackled of the mind, dogmatic, just his system. According to his story, see, he wasn't even smart enough to see that what it was named and how it was famed would grow up and claim exactly what it is, his story a lie. Because other things do exist, because we did resist, because it didn't happen that way, see the day. I will not be part of that system. And the law, that's me. But I refuse to be his attorney. Attorney means license to practice no justice, no peace, time to release the truth. Lawyer roll called y'all Randall, humble man of peace. Refused to eat for a while, warm smile next to me. You ate your meal, for Mandela made a deal. All the while, kept it real. Harvard trained, revolution gained. Refused to practice in the traditional sense, no coincidence. Jesse, I remember the day I stumbled over my words to say thank you for coming to Penn State on that day to give hope, and that was great. Across my path they came, no need to blame coincidence, it only makes sense. See, it was meant to show me the way, the way that I went, my time and my money spent so that I could see and know the law, y'all, compare it to God's law, y'all. I'm a lawyer, as inscribed, no time to bribe, not part of man's plan, but part of God's hand, his holy plan. Jesus spoke prophetic sayings, riddles of the spiritual mind. He spoke against the establishment, established hell-bent on lies. He wanted no part of that establishment of hypocrites, of Pharisees, of Sadducees. It's Sadducee, the hypocrisy, hypocrisy. Yes, yes, yes. That was Nia with Lawyers 
and the scribe. I'm Michael Fordham, and you've been listening to A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com. But before you go, here's a little something to take with you. Ask God for wisdom daily, but know that your lesson can come from anybody or any situation, good or bad, friend or foe. Watch your thoughts. They become words. And watch your words. They become actions. And watch your actions. They become habits. And watch your habits. They become your character. And watch your character. It becomes your destiny. Until we meet again, take care of what becomes of you. With Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.